Well, hey, happy Father's Day, everybody. Good to see you. Welcome to Centerpoint. We can celebrate God's goodness together. Thank you, Lord. I'm so glad that you came. Uh, you know, it's, 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 it's always a, a unique crew who decides we're going to church on Father's Day. We're not taking the pass. We're going to be there. So well done, especially uh, dads who are here. I appreciate you. So uh, if you're new with us, my name is John. I'm lead pastor here. I'm glad to welcome you. And I wanted to start today with a little bit of inspiration around Father's Day uh, from uh, the animal kingdom, from the world of nature. And actually, that's going to be a big part of the message today. But but. For starters, uh, I, I read an article in Nat Geo about the, uh, the Adelie penguins. And uh, these guys, you know, these, these penguins, these are the, the penguins that, that everybody loves. They're the happy feet penguins, you know, the cute ones that, you know, look up close. You see the nice big smiley face. These are the, uh, the Adelie penguins that everybody loves. And, and they are some of the best dads in the animal kingdom. And the reason is that they have this amazing capacity to build these great little homes. They, they gather mud and rocks and sticks and old fish skeletons, sometimes even old dead penguin enemy bones, and they gather that stuff together and they just build these amazing little penguin houses out of it. And so they are beloved in the animal kingdom because they make these great houses. They just gather the resources and bring all the stuff together and build these great homes. And I think maybe there's some brothers sitting around this room that are a little bit like those penguins. Why don't you shout them down for just one second? Anybody who is sitting next to a guy who's bringing the resources together and building it, this is weak sauce. Are you? I'm going to jump onto somebody right now. You better be believing for that husband. You better tell him he's awesome. You better shout a husband down right now. Come on, give it up for a father. He's working hard. He's gathering the resources. He's putting the stuff together. He's making a home. Come on, somebody. We don't do weak sauce clapping around Centerpoint Church. But you know what else I discovered about the Adelie penguins? Is that uh, they, they are most desirable to the females when they have a little bit of an extra belly to them. That's what I discovered. The, the daily penguins, uh, when they look like these brothers right here, they're more desirable to the females because apparently when they have a little bit of extra around the middle, it allows there to be a deeper resonance for their mating call. And so instead of a little weak scrawny, eep, instead these guys get a big old whoop. Yeah, and the ladies like it, apparently. So hats off to all of the, the, the dad bods out there, I guess is what I'm saying, right? I just gave somebody a release to go enjoy the brunch today and the steak and the bacon, right? <laughs> but in, in, in all honesty, I mean, that's, that's what I'm talking about right there. That is, that is the father figure that, that I'm going for. All right, all right. So uh, that just represents a whole lot of fish breakfasts. Everybody say fish breakfast. Okay, now with that in mind... I want you to turn to John 21. And by the end of the message, you'll get it. But I want you to turn to John 21 right now. So open up your Bible. Today I, I'm reading from the message paraphrase of the Bible. I just liked the way this particular passage came across. But I want you to open to John 21. And in John 21, what's happened up to this point is it, it's after Easter. And so the crucifixion has happened. The burial has happened. The resurrection has happened. And it's this unique period after the resurrection where Jesus is showing up 
and appearing so that his disciples would understand that he's alive and really get it because it took some getting for uh, the first disciples. And so it, Jesus has been showing up in, in the moment just before this. He appeared in that upper room and said to them, receive the spirit and sent them, right? That has happened, but they're still kind of trying to put the pieces together. So he's appearing in different kinds of ways to make sure they would get it. And so with all of that in mind, we'll just... Um, Turn right now to John 21. So John 21, verse 1. It says, after this, Jesus appeared again to the disciples. And this time at the Tiberias Sea, the Sea of Galilee. And this is how he did it. Simon Peter, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the brothers Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. And Simon Peter announced, I'm going fishing. And the rest of them replied, we're going with you. Can we just stop and, and say, that's a great verse for Father's Day. Right? I mean, isn't it? I mean, I, I love it. Peter, I'm going fishing. And all of us dudes are just going, we're, we're going to. Let's do it. Let's just get out on the water. Let's go get out and enjoy some time on the lake. And, and, you know, on one hand, it's just a simple little moment. But I think the simple little moments, sometimes we need to take them to heart when you read them in the Bible. And what I see is a value for brothers in particular being together. Brothers who are followers of Jesus recognizing, I need some other dudes to do this with, and I'm not doing it alone. It's about, about people recognizing it's not only about showing up for church services sometimes. It's sometimes it's about being away together, filling our soul tank a little bit together, getting out on the water, enjoying something that maybe has nothing to do with the synagogue, so to speak. Are you with me? You don't have to say amen that loudly, but you could say it. I mean, it's actually a pretty good thing I'm talking about right here. But this moment is a moment that, that matters for these disciples. But uh, they say, we're going with you. I'll keep reading. In verse 4, it continues, and it says that they went out, and they got in the boat, and they caught nothing that night. Everybody say nothing. It's kind of not the goal when you're fishing. But they caught nothing that night. When the sun came up, Jesus was standing on a beach, but they didn't recognize him. And Jesus spoke to them, morning, did you catch anything for breakfast? They answered, no. And he said, well, throw the net off the right side of the boat, see what happens. And they, they did what he said. They did what he said. I want to keep reading. I'm going to just jump back into verse 5, and I, and I want to make sure you hear this, right? It says, Jesus spoke to them, good morning, did you catch anything for breakfast? And they answered, no. And he said, throw the net to the right side of the boat and see what happens. And read the next verse out loud with me. Ready, go. They did what he said. All of a sudden, there were so many fish in it, they weren't strong enough to pull it in. All of a sudden, all of a sudden. This moment to me is, is, is important for a lot of reasons, right? But let me just pull back just a little bit and just mention something. What we know is that in this moment, Peter is going back to what's familiar to him. He, he was a commercial fisherman. I mean, if you remember the beginning of the Gospels, this is how it began with Jesus by the seashore at the Sea of Galilee saying, hey, I want you to come follow me. I'm going to make you fishers of men. That ring a bell to anybody. And this same Peter, he was a commercial fisherman. And now three years later, here he is and he's back in the boat. But what we're looking at is, I think, a moment where maybe, just maybe, Peter's struggling. 
And here's what I mean by this. I mean, yes, we get to this fantastic, all of a sudden, miraculous catch moment, but back up just a little bit and look at the big picture. And here's what you'll see. What you'll see is Peter probably feeling really uncertain about everything. I mean, yeah, we look back from the vantage point of history and it's really clear. Easter, the church and all of that. But Peter, in the middle of it, it just looked like a big mess to him. Jesus is gone for all intents and purposes. Yes, something about the empty grave. And I think we, I think we, we heard from them and them that he's appearing. But, but I don't know what to do. I mean, could you put yourself in Peter's shoes? Like, I don't know how this is all going to work out. What am I supposed to do about it? And I think maybe there's a way in which Peter in this moment is probably thinking about maybe even just walking away. Maybe even just quitting altogether. Maybe even thinking, you know what, I think I missed it with this whole Jesus thing. And let me just go back to what I know. That's part of the mood of this moment. And you got to catch it for what it is. It's a, a moment where there's, there's uncertainty, there's struggle, there's confusion, there's pain, there's disappointment, all of those things going on. And then there's also a man going back to work, and his work happens to be commercial fishing. And, and I, I want to I look at this layer too. Jesus speaks to Peter about his business enterprise in this moment. And he asks him, hey, good morning, did you catch anything yet? It's a pretty simple question, right? But you know what I think I, I want to recognize, just for a moment. It's not the main point of the passage, but I think it's worth just recognizing. Jesus cares about Peter's small business enterprise. Enough to just ask him about it. How's it going? How's it going with your fishing business? And if you could hear it personally today, I mean, I don't know what kind of business you lead or, uh, or, or company you work in or job you do, but I hope that you will let this speak to you, that Jesus cares about that as much as he cares about things having to do with coming to church services. <laughs> that he, I think he's looking at you and going, how's it going in terms of that department? And how's it going out on that street where, where, where you've got a beat and you're bringing protection? How's it going on that deployment? How's it going? on that job site? How's it going with those deals you're trying to put together for those clients? How's it going in that classroom that you're getting uh, the, ready for this summer? How's it going on that hospital floor where you've got too many patients this week? How's it going? Do you see what I'm saying? Like, I just hope this would soak in. That this is a little snapshot into the fact that Jesus cares about the stuff going on in people's lives, even when it has nothing to do with church. Come on, you should just say amen, right? <laughs> amen. He cares about us. I know this because there are moments in Scripture where, where Jesus says, look, I, I'm not calling you religious slaves anymore. I'm calling you friends. And here I see just one more picture of Jesus the friend caring about the stuff going on in these guys' lives. And, and I... I'm letting it speak to me. I hope that you'd let it speak to you as well, this picture of Jesus caring about what's going on. But, but, but then I want you to pay attention to what happens in this moment. Because I'm excited about the, the miraculous catch. Uh, I hope you are too. But I want you to see how it happens. And so I'm going to read verses 5 and 6 again. That's that section one more time. It said, Jesus spoke to them, Good morning. Did you catch anything for breakfast? They answered, no. 
And he said, well, throw the net off to the right side of the boat and see what happens. And they did what he said. And read this next part. Say it. Go. All of a sudden, there were so many fish in it, they weren't strong enough to pull it in. Now, this is a picture of, listen, if you can take it this way, of Jesus blessing somebody's business. Does anybody have a job or a company or an enterprise or a business that you might like to see the blessing of God upon, kind of like Peter saw that day? You can say it. You can say it. Of course. And, and I, I want that for you. And I think maybe part of the reason why this moment is recorded, and yes, it's, it's about, of course, the theologians will tell you, no, 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 this is about the reinstatement of Peter unto the apostolic ministry. Right. But it's also about Jesus just talking to a dude about his business and then blessing it. And what happens in this moment is that phrase, all of a sudden, jumps out at us, and all of a sudden, a lack is turned into an abundance. This ordinary is, is, is turned into this extraordinary. And, and this moment is a moment that I think we need to pay attention to. So one more time, verse 6 alone, it said, He said to them, throw the nets off the right side of the boat and see what happens. Now, read the next five words with me. Say it. They did what he said. One more time, say it. They did what he said. One more time, loud. They did what he said. You want to see God move in your life so that a lack is turned into abundance, so that a mess is turned into a miracle, so, so that insufficiency is converted into adequacy and extravagance? Do you want to see it? Then maybe you need to be somebody about whom it would be said the same way it was said of them. They did what he said. There is a correlation between your obedience and his provision of abundance. Do you see it? It's just there in the Bible, right? I'm not making it up. There is a correlation between their obedience and their experience of his provision of abundance. Here's the thing. I, I don't know that any of us in particular need like a, a boatload of fish right now. But I am thinking that probably most of us would like to see God bring an abundance into our lives. But maybe the abundance that you need more than anything would be an abundance of the restoring love of God that would bring healing to the deepest places. Maybe for somebody, the abundance that you need is an abundance of grace that would allow you to, uh, to, to be uh, able to recover from the stuff that just went down. For somebody else, maybe what you need is an abundance of, of the power of God to break through so that this miracle can actually take place that you're believing for. Maybe for somebody else, the abundance that you need is an abundance of mercy and forgiveness because you know you need it. Maybe for somebody else, the abundance that you need is an abundance of hope because there has been a sea and a flood of despair that's been coming up against you. And I believe that there is a correlation between your obedience and his abundance. And I'm saying, God, I'm believing for the abundance. Anybody with me on that? God, I'm believing for the abundance. The abundance of whatever kind of goodness you see fit to pour into my life. And it's not a formula. And I don't get to dictate to him what that abundance is going to look like. But I do know this, that there's a correlation between my obedience and his abundance. So what is God saying to you? 
What is he speaking to you? What is the hard thing he's prompting in you? What is the direction he's been giving you? What is the step he's been calling you to take? What is the thing that he's put out there for you to stop doing? What is the the way he's asked you to change something up in your life? And when are you going to do it? Because there will be a correlation between your obedience and your experience of his abundance. And some of you just clapped and said, I want it. And so I'm calling you to it. And the path toward it is this step called obedience. Let the word of God be what stands in your life to give you the direction. Let what Jesus says to you be what rules your life. Let what God says for you to do be the source of the direction you need. This is God's call for you. Somebody shout amen. It's what he has for somebody today as a, as a path towards what's best and, and what's next. You know, this, this moment is important because they could have complained, right? They could have said, are you kidding me? We've been out here all night. We've been dropping these nets for hours. You're going to come along and just start telling us what to do? Yeah, okay. You can give them a pass, I guess, because they didn't recognize that it was Jesus. But nevertheless, they could have taken a, a hopeless, a faithless stance in this moment. But instead, they took the path of obedience, saying, Jesus, we'll do it. You're saying it. We're going to do it. You said it. I obey it. And that's a, a lesson for life. But then this moment happens. It said in verse 7, the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the master. And when Simon Peter realized that it was the master, he threw on some clothes for he was stripped for work and he dove into the sea. Come on, that impetuous Peter. I love it, don't you? Like he just hears, I think, I think that it's, it's Jesus. And Peter just throws on his, his clothes, which is a little weird, by the way. I'm thinking you're going to dive into the sea. That's when you take off your shirt. I, I think it just represents Peter being so impulsive that he's just doing the most impulsive thing, which is I got my shirt. I got to get it on. I'm going to see, I'm going to see Jesus. Somebody say, I'm going to see Jesus. You know what? I want this moment to just pierce somebody's mind right now. He, he gets a sense that Jesus is there, and he doesn't have any kind of apathetic Well, maybe we'll just see what happens. I don't know. He doesn't have some sort of complacent. He hears Jesus is there. He's not just kicking back on, well, I don't know. Let's see if there's anything more interesting that comes along. (laughs) Instead, what you see is Peter just going, if Jesus is there, I'm going. I'm going. And he lets his passion be expressed. And this Father's Day, I want to say something about this. This man, Peter, is like an archetype. For those of us who would want to to see an example of, at least one kind of an example of what it can look like to follow Jesus. And what I see here is an unbridled passion. And he doesn't doesn't wait for anybody to give him permission about whether he's going to show his passion for Jesus or not. He just goes for it. And I'm telling somebody, it's time for you to let your passion for Jesus have a place. It's time for you to move beyond being the thermometer and to be the thermostat. I'm talking about you being the one who says, That's the spiritual temperature. I'm talking about taking a cue from Peter and saying, you know what? I've been holding back long enough. Hands in my pockets with apathy long enough. Kicking back, bored looking long enough. It's time for me to be a man who is passionate about my expression of my enthusiasm and love for Jesus. And I'm not holding back. 
This world needs some fathers who will decide this is part of who I am. And I'm not holding it back and I'm not covering it up and I'm not putting a lid on it. I'm letting my passion for Jesus be known because it will have an effect on the ones who are around you. It will have an effect on the atmosphere. The spiritual atmosphere will shift. As long as a majority of us kick back and say, no, 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 I'm just going to play it cool. I don't want to show too much excitement. I don't want to look like a fanatic or anything. You know what we'll get? Just more of a bunch of the same. Who needs it? There's enough religious games that have been played in this world. There need to be a group of us that just rise up like Peter and say, I'm jumping in all the way. I'm going straight for Jesus. I'm not giving up. I'm not holding back. He's the source of life and hope and strength and health. And I am not avoiding that reality. I'm running straight into that reality, the reality of Jesus. I love Peter. I love what I see in this moment. Let the passion for Jesus have its place. Brothers, and I know I'm focusing on dads today, but brothers and sisters, let your passion for Jesus have its place. Set the spiritual temperature. Don't wait for somebody else to do it. You get to. All right, let me keep reading. Verse 8, it, it keeps going. It said, the other disciples came in, verse 8, the other disciples came in by boat, for they weren't far from land, 100 yards or so, pulling along the full net of fish. And when they got out of the boat, they saw a fire laid with fish and bread cooking on it. And Jesus said, Bring some of the fish you just caught. And Simon Peter joined them and pulled the net to shore. 153 big fish. And even with all those fish, the net didn't rip. Jesus said, breakfast is ready. Not one of the disciples even dared to ask, who are you? Because they knew it was the master. Jesus then took the bread and gave it to them. He did the same with the fish. And this was now the third time Jesus had shown himself alive to the disciples since being raised from the dead. I love this moment. And, and, and one of the reasons is, is just because of the, the sheer fact that whoever wrote this part of the Bible, John or a scribe of John, took note to, to keep the number in there. 153. This is what it's about. It's about this simple fact. Any, any brothers in this place ever gone fishing and caught a lot of fish? You counted them, didn't you? Yeah. You, you? You strung them up on a line. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, then nine. Nine of them. We did it, right? And I think that there's a simple reality here. And it's just that, that, that John wanted to make sure that the evidence of the miracle was recorded. Like that this was such an unreasonable, ridiculous, awesome display of God's power that we got to put the number down there. I mean, so many fish that we couldn't, I mean, we couldn't even count them, but we had to because that's what we do when we go fishing, isn't it? Y'all just going to leave me hanging like that. Okay, I see how it is. All right. I haven't eaten either. All right. Anyway, so you know what? I spent a little bit of time up in Alaska when I was in college. I went up there to work in the fishing industry, commercial fishing, and I, I got a job working on a commercial fishing set net site. And what that means is, so you got the Bering Sea uh, just south of Anchorage, and the, uh, the, the, the sea flows in through an inlet there called the Cook Inlet. And this fishing operation uh, had these nets that would extend from the shore about 700 feet out into the inlet. And they would put them out 
when it was time to go fishing and the inlet would bring the current and with it all of the sockeye salmon or whatever else we're fishing for. And, and so what we would do is we'd go out when the fish and game department said it was time for fishing and we would pick the nets and, and we'd set the nets and then pick them. That means you go out there in these 19-foot little aluminum boats and, and, and come up alongside the nets, pull the nets that are stretched tightly from shore, pull them up over the edge of that boat, and then you pick the fish out of them. They're stuck by their little gills, and you just pop them into the bottom of the boat. And if you're really good, you just pop them, pop them. It's a skill, man. It's fun, too. <laughs> Sorry if you're an animal lover and I just hurt your feelings, but... You probably enjoyed some for lunch sometime in the last month. Anyway, so, so, so I remember this, this uh, th at the beginning, like the first time I was out there working for this guy, the fisherman, uh, it was time to go fishing. Fishing game department said, you got nine-hour window to go fishing, and so you just work that thing. And we went out and set the nets, waited, and then it was time to go out and pick the nets. And we went out in the boats, and we pulled the nets up, and we're, it's in the dark, it's, it's nighttime, the waves are huge, I almost died, that's another story, but we're pulling the nets up and scooting down the nets, scooting down the nets, nothing, nothing, nothing. And after like four hours of picking the nets, there was literally two, maybe three scrawny little salmon in the bottom of the boat. It was depressing, nothing. When you're going fishing, that's not what you want to see especially when it's your business. And I was just a, a kid. I didn't know much. But I, I looked at the guy at the end of it all. And I was like, wow, that, that, that's, that kind of sucks. And he's like, kind of sucks? You have no idea. <laughs> no fish equals no money. He said that to me like three times, except he used some salty fisherman language. <laughs> but he's looking at me, you know, no fish equals no money. And, and I could just see the look on his face, the pressure, the disappointment, the despair, because this was his business and there was just nothing, nothing to show for it. But I also remember this other moment, and it was more towards the end of the time, that fish and game department gave us the opening to go salmon fishing. And so we set those nets out there in the inlet, and, and then we let, let the fish come, and, and we're hopefully, and, and it was time to pick the nets. And we went out again in the dark uh, through the waves, and we're bringing up these nets. And as soon as we brought up the very first bit of net, I mean, you could just see, there were just all of these big old sockeye, coho, salmon just stuck in those nets. And we're bringing them one, one by, one by, until I'm never going to forget what it's like to be standing in an aluminum boat, literally up to my knees in salmon, flopping around like and what it felt like to have I mean that's a very unique experience right but I'll also never forget the look in my boss's eyes the the owner of the fishing operation when I looked at him at the end of it all and we were bringing the boat back in he was he had this look of sheer elation on his face like delight like total fulfillment and satisfaction because we were bringing it home right we had it and, and there's something about this moment that that makes me think of that when these guys are coming back to shore and they're, they're so excited about what happened that they have to name 153 fish. It was a miracle. And it had to be recorded. It had to be recorded. But who was on the beach? Mm, Jesus. Now, I want you to let this picture of Jesus just soak in. Jesus, just on the beach, making a little charcoal fire, kind of prodding it, maybe getting down into it a little bit and making sure it was nice and hot. Jesus filleting the fish even before they got theirs. 
Jesus just broiling some fish right out there by the lakeside, putting the bread on there too. I'm going to get the bread warm for my brothers. Ah, I just want this picture of Jesus to soak in. Because sometimes we end up with this picture of Jesus that's a little warped. Like maybe the only thing he ever cares about is, uh, is the synagogue and the temple courts. And, and you get this picture of Jesus and what comes to your mind? I don't know. It's like the, the peace sign guy with the long wavy hair and the blue eyes, which is all very weird considering who he is, right? And I just want this picture to soak in. It's a rugged Jesus. It's a Jesus who cares about being out by the lake. It's a Jesus who, who, who cares about just making a campfire. It's a Jesus who just knows the value of a good protein breakfast. It's a Jesus who, who, who just sees his, his, his brothers and recognize, recognizes their need. He sees that it's been a long season for them. He sees that it's been hard. He sees that they're, they've been tired, they've been going through it, that they're hungry. And he sees that they need a special touch from him. And so he's there, ready to just give them the special touch that he knows that they need. And to give them some good food so they can have the penguin thing, right? Hey, just thought I'd make the connection somehow. It's a stretch, but I'm working it. I'm working it. <laughs> this is... My Jesus. But what comes next is just as important. Okay, so what comes next is after breakfast. Verse 15 said, after breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? More than these. Do you know what he's probably referring to, even though it didn't necessarily stated directly in the text? I think he's pointing to the boats, the nets, the massive, massive pile of fish that just got caught. He said, yeah, that's got its place, brother. That's got its place, and it's important. But what, what comes first in your life? What, what is the priority for you? What matters for you? Do you love me more than these? He said, yes, master, you know I love you. Jesus, and Jesus said, well, feed my lambs. In verse 16, he then asked the second time, Simon, though, son of John, do you love me? Yes, master, you know I love you. And Jesus said, shepherd my sheep. And then Peter was, uh, uh, sorry, he asked it a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was upset that he had asked the third time, do you love me? So he answered, Master, you know everything there is to know. You've got to know that I love you. And Jesus said, well, feed my sheep. So remember how we were thinking about what might be going on with Peter in this moment? And, and, and when Peter said to the guys, I'm going fishing. And they said, yeah, we're going fishing too. It, 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 it may have been, based on especially these last few verses, it may have been that Peter was thinking about just completely walking away, completely just quitting and figuring, you know what, I'm done. I've, I did my Jesus people thing and now it's over and I'm done. But in this moment, it's like as though Jesus is saying, no, you aren't. You are not done. You're so far from done, you don't even have a clue. 
There is so much more left for you. There are so many sheep that need to receive the food called the bread of life. And I'm pointing you to go and bring it to them. Peter, you aren't done. Get up. Peter, come on. If you do actually love me like you say, then get after it. Bring the kingdom. See to it that these sheep get the food of the word of God and don't quit. I'm so grateful that Peter didn't quit, aren't you? I'm grateful that Peter didn't quit because it looks to me like he was definitely feeling like maybe quitting. He was pretty baked at this point, pretty done. But he didn't quit. He decided to step up and he accepted this call of Jesus to keep feeding the sheep and tending the lambs. And as a result, you and me are here today still experiencing the feeding that comes from Jesus Christ, our good shepherd. Somebody say amen and thank you, God, for the Peters that don't quit. Thank you, God, for the, the fathers in the faith that don't quit because they have their moments where they feel like doing exactly that. But thank God for the, the reinstating power of Jesus to remind a sister or a brother what really matters and to keep in front of a sister or a brother just how important following this calling from God really is. And, and, and now let me just kind of take this a little bit further on Father's Day. So, fathers, can I let, can I ask you to let this scripture speak to you personally? And, and it applies to everybody. It really is for anybody. But in particular, let's just think about it in terms of dads. Dads, you might recognize this scripture as, well, that's about Peter stepping up to do his uh, calling and leadership of the church. But dads, you have a calling as well, a ministry a ministry for lambs entrusted by God to you. Some of them are sitting right next to you. Some of them are, are sleeping under your roof. And I want you to hear this. If you could, as a calling from God about your ministry with those lambs, those sheep he's entrusted to you, your kids, C could you just hear it that way? So Jesus says, do you love me? And Peter says, come on, you know I love you, Jesus. And Jesus says, all right, well, then feed my lambs. And he uses the particular word lambs. It's arnia. It's the, the, the newborn sheep. They're very young and they need a special kind of attention. Dads, could you hear Jesus saying this to you? Do you love me? And you would say in your own bro kind of way, yeah, yeah, I love you. <laughs> Maybe some of you would be like, I love you, Jesus. I don't know where you're coming from. Anywhere on the spectrum is okay. But if you love him. Can you recognize he's given a sacred entrustment to you? The sheep, the, the lambs, and those little ones in your household. And maybe they're just two, three, seven, eight, whatever they are right now. But they're in that unique phase of life where they have a, a special need for their father to, to feed them. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. But the word that he uses for feed them is this word baske, which it, it, it isn't a word that means like shove grain in their mouth, you know, or something like that. It's the word that we, we could equally translate it, graze them, graze them, and picture what that means. 
That means bringing them out to where they're going to get the sustenance they need. Be with them in that place. Come alongside of them so that they experience your presence and protection even as they're getting the nurture that they need. Dads, it's time for you to feed those lambs, to graze them, to be alongside of them in those younger years when there's this unique window of opportunity when you can come alongside of them and be a part of it all right next to them while they still are so innocent and pure and free and open. And dads, don't you dare back down on that. Don't you dare bury yourself in some kind of a substance or some kind of, a, 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 of an occupation because they don't stay lambs forever. They don't. It's just the truth. And some of y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. It, you, they don't. And that's why Jesus, in the, in the next part of this, if, if we're taking this by extension into the realm of fatherhood, he says, okay, so do you love me? And, and Peter says, and hopefully us as brothers, we say, yeah, Jesus, I love you. Brothers, could you just say with me, yes, Jesus, I love you. Say it. Yes, Jesus, I love you. Okay, and, and he says, all right, well then shepherd my sheep. It's a different phrase. And it is a different word that's used, two different words that's used. Shepherd my sheep. Sheep, because he's recognizing they don't stay lambs forever. They do grow up and they're gonna. But now, shepherd. And it's this word poimena that, that means to, to come alongside like a shepherd would and tend to them in their needs. And so that sheep... You know, if you think about it, a sheep might get into a place where it, it, it puts its face into something, gets a bunch of bugs in it. And to shepherd it would mean to come alongside and pick out the bugs. That sheep might just be doing its thing, but all of a sudden get a bunch of burrs in its fleece. And that shepherd would, shepherd would be to come alongside and say, oh, man, I'm going to pick those burrs out of you before it causes even more pain. To shepherd would be for you as a dad to spend time coming alongside that daughter of yours that son of yours in their time of need and not ignoring the things that are, they're crying out for, but to give into that need what you alone can give. This is what you are uniquely called by God to do. And so dads, don't back down. Don't ignore it. Step into it as an expression of your love for Jesus. And then Jesus says to Peter, you love me? All right. Well, then feed my sheep. And then the word for sheep is used, the older ones, but it's still time to feed them. And maybe your kids are older. Maybe they are 18, 20, 30, I don't know. But you are still a father who can feed them. And the feeding will look different. And I'm just on the earliest side of that journey with only one young adult. But our role changes, but we still show up out of our love for Jesus in the lives of these ones. And we, we give what they need, guidance and coaching and insight and input to whatever degree we can. But this is something that I felt like this Father's Day I needed to say to somebody. It, it is crucial. The stakes are so high. And you've been called by God to pour something in that, uh, that you, you need to pour in. Now, for somebody... Maybe you're thinking to yourself, it's too late. And I want to tell you, no, it's not. It's not too late. By God's grace in your life, there is another season in which you can, in fact, step it up and bring the love of Jesus in real-time form in a way that can change that sheep, that lamb, 
in the direction of their life. So I want to pray for our dads in just a moment. And I think we need to recognize something. Some dads need some praying for. Because for a lot of us as dads, it hasn't always been a, everything's awesome all the time kind of a journey. For some of us as dads, we have some high water marks for sure, some good memories, but we also have some valleys that we're not sure what to make of. And, and, and we need some prayer to see God's strength come to us for what's yet to be. And so I want us to take a moment and pray for uh, some dads. But before we do that, I, I also just want to make sure that I express to you that Jesus is willing to be your shepherd and savior. And, 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 and let me just acknowledge something for a moment. This weekend's a unique weekend. We're celebrating a brand new holiday in our country, this national holiday called Juneteenth. And I want to just uh, say I'm, I'm grateful that we get to celebrate this particular holiday for what it means. It's, it's a blessing to recognize freedom. And as Christians, come on, I mean, we value freedom. Freedom is a part of the theme of, of our experience. So straight from, from the earliest pages of scripture, freedom from shame in the Garden of Eden through to freedom from slavery in Egypt, through to freedom from the bondage of the exile, through to freedom from sin and guilt itself through the gospel of Jesus. So we celebrate it. And this one's important for us in terms of who we are as American people too, because it's a recognition of a, of a fact that... In 1863, after a lot of bloody battles, there was finally uh, this, this emancipation proclamation that said uh, freedom will reign in this land and we are not going to be uh, about slavery ever again. And, and that decision was made out of value for all American people. I celebrate that. I'm so grateful for so, uh, so much uh, that we've uh, accomplished and how far we've come. But I also recognize, too, that, that what this holiday was about is about the fact that there was a, a, a proclamation of, of the war is won, freedom, right? But that, that news didn't get to everybody quite uh, on time. And that it, was, it was two years, more than two years, almost two and a half years later that finally news reached the deep south in Galveston, Texas. And the, the, the uh, citizens there that had not been emancipated finally were. It took a while. That's something that just deserves a little bit of recognition. It took a while. And maybe it'll take a while for the full effect of that to be most fully felt in all the ways that it's still needed. But here's what I'm thinking. In, in a way... Jesus issued an emancipation proclamation for every one of us through his death and resurrection and made it possible for every one of us to turn to him and receive the gift of the forgiveness of our sins, freedom from guilt, freedom from the ultimate death penalty. And for a lot of us, we got that news and we can say amen. But for others of us, maybe that news hadn't quite reached us yet. And today, I want to make sure I'm saying it as clear as I can that there is freedom from sin and shame and guilt for you because Jesus has won the war. And today, believe it, receive it, and be freed by the love of Jesus. And let's pray for a moment together. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you for the good news of Jesus Christ and the freedom from sin and shame and guilt and death that comes through the gospel, the good news of what Jesus has done. 
I pray, Father, that right now you would allow some of us to wake up spiritually, uh, to, to hear this news and finally receive the goodness of it. While we're praying together today, if you are here and you would say, you know, I, I don't know where I stand with God. I don't know if I'm forgiven. I don't know if I'm right with God. I don't know where I stand with him, but I want to be forgiven. I want to be free, like you're talking about, free from the shame, free from the shadows, free from the guilt. This freedom comes through Jesus. And it's a gift that he offers called salvation, but it is a gift he offers. He doesn't force it on you. He offers it to you. But maybe for somebody, this is the moment where once and for all, you would receive it. And to receive it, what you do is you turn to Jesus and say, Jesus Christ, I believe in you. There's no work you could do, no good deeds you could do, but your faith unlocks the door to receiving the gift of his, his salvation. And so while we're praying together, if you're, you're here going, I need that. I need to be saved. I need to have my sin forgiven and be saved from all of the guilt and the shame. I need salvation. I need to be forgiven and saved. If that's you, just right now, would you acknowledge it? Raise your hand with me for a moment. If you would say, I need to say yes to Jesus and ask him to forgive my sin and save my life. I want you to raise your hand with me and keep it up for a moment as a way of finally saying, I'm saying my yes to Jesus once and for all to ask him to forgive me and save me. Up in the back and the left, I see you, man. That's great. And if there's anyone else, I just want to make sure I don't miss you over here on, on the left in the front. Thank you. That's excellent. And if you're joining online, then in this moment, you just type into the comments and say, I need to say yes to Jesus. And a couple of you with your hands raised and maybe somebody else online, I want you to pray with me right now. And you just pray saying something like this, Jesus Christ, I believe in you. Everything starts there. You could just say that with me, Jesus Christ, I believe in you. And I give my life to you. And Jesus, I believe you gave your life for me. And so I turn from my sin and I turn to you, Jesus. And I'm asking for your grace, your covering, your mercy, your forgiveness. I receive new life right now. And just say it again, Jesus Christ, I believe in you. You can say it with me, Jesus Christ, I believe in you. You're my Savior and my Lord. From this moment on, I'm yours. Thank you for new life. Thank you, Lord, for new life. Thank you, Lord.